Father, we give you thanks, we give you praise. Unto you shall all the gathering of the people be. This morning, O oh God, we have gathered to hear you. We have not gathered to hear a man. We want to hear your voice through the lips of your chosen vessel. I empty myself today to you. Crucify this flesh upon the cross. Have mercy, O oh God, upon me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Speak your word to all of us in the name of Jesus. Father, my eyes are not lofty and my heart is not haughty. I do not exercise myself in matters that are too high for me. Make my soul like the soul of a winter today in the name of Jesus. I bind any work of the devil. I stop any activity of the evil one. As your word comes, O oh Lord, let it be a light that shines forth in our heart in the name of Jesus. For the path of the justice has a shining light that shineth more and more unto the bright and unto the perfect day. Bless us today. Let the army that backs your word follow the word. Confirm your word today with signs following. Let your word penetrate our beings. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Alright, so we started a series which I am on. I'll be ending in about two weeks. Um, which I have entitled, Preparing for the Times Ahead. Preparing for the Times Ahead is taken from the book of Malachi chapter 4. We'll read from the verse number 1 to the verse number 6. It says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be as stubble. When he says they shall be as stubble, it means that they shall be as child. They that cometh shall bend them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. So the Bible says here that there is a day coming. Okay, let me just read. Verse 2, it says, But unto you that fear my name shall the sound of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth, and ye shall grow and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be like ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 4. Remember ye the commandments of Moses. Remember ye, remember ye the commandments of Moses which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, even my statutes and my judgments. Then it says, Behold, I will send... Uh, Elijah, I'll send before you Elijah the prophet. I'll send, he says, I'll, behold, I'll send Elijah the prophet before you, uh, before, the, before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. And when he comes, what is he coming to do? He's coming to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, so over here we see in the verse number one, God speaks of a day um, that is coming and he says that that day is going to burn as an oven. Now, this, this scripture has a double parallel meaning. When I say it has a double parallel meaning, what it means is that historically for the children of Israel, it had a prophetic meaning. And then for us, the spiritual Israel, for us who are in all the world, in the Bible times, I mean, it also has a significant meaning. And it's talking about the end times. It's talking about the coming um, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just before the Lord Jesus Christ will come, or just after um, he has appeared and has raptured his own unto him, there will be a great tribulation. 
Some say it will come before Jesus will come. Some say it will come after Jesus had come to rapture um, his own. And then, you know, that tribulation will take place. But what I'm trying to bring forth to you is to understand that there is a day that is coming. And I explained to you that when the Bible says that a day is coming, it's not talking about morning and evening being one day, but it's talking about a season, it's talking about a period, it's talking about a time frame. Because the Bible says in in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22, it says that while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, it shall not cease. So you see that that day is also mentioned as one of the seasons on the face of the earth. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, uh, Peter says, But beloved, I will not have you ignorant of this one thing, that a day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years also before him is like a day. So when he says that a day is coming that shall burn as an oven, it's talking about a season, it's talking about a period. And I believe that we, are already, we have already entered into that season. Why do I say that? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 7 and 8, Jesus speaking about the great and the dreadful times also said, Nations shall rise against nations. Uh, or nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Then he says, and there shall be famines. There shall be famine means that there shall be hunger. There shall be periods of hunger. Then he says, there shall be pestilences. That word pestilence talks about pandemics, like coronavirus, like Ebola, like cholera, and other diseases that have come. And as we are getting closer to the times, the diseases that will be coming will be stronger and stronger and stronger. And then he says, you shall hear of earthquakes in diverse places. Then he says, this is not even the end. It's just the beginning of sorrows. And after that, it names other sorrows that will follow after. And when you look around the world and you watch the news, you watch television, you can see and you can hear and you can know that we are in those times already. So Jesus says that in those times there will be farmings, there will be pestilences, there will be earthquakes. So he says in Malachi chapter 4 verse 1, he says, it's a day that is going to burn as an oven. Now, one thing about an oven is that when you put your hand into the oven, you can feel the, the, the heat. It can even burn your hand. But then you cannot tell where the fire is actually coming from. And you see, and in that time, in that period, some will be confused. They may think that it's coming from the devil. Others may also be confused thinking that maybe man is doing it. But what you don't know is that Malachi says that that is the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. It will be God himself who is bringing his judgment upon the face of the earth. Because it is written that the wages of sin is death. And so anywhere sin abounds and sin fills a place, one of the things that it attracts is that it attracts the judgments of the Lord. And that is how come sometimes it's not enough for us to um, plead forgiveness for just the people of Ghana, but we also have to plead forgiveness for the earth. Because in the Bible, you see that the earth was even crying for judgment. The earth was crying because of the blood, the innocent blood that it has drank of. It was crying for judgment. So even the earth is calling for judgment. 
So even if we don't like it, I mean, God of necessity must come and bring his judgments upon the earth. And you see, we have already entered the season and things are not going to get any better. They are going to get tighter. They are going to get stronger. It's not to discourage you, but it's to rather encourage you that as a child of God, there are things that God himself has laid out as an escape route for you to be able to escape these things. God is not wicked to allow you to suffer that which he knows you cannot be able to bear. So last week I quoted to you 1 Corinthians, 3, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says that there had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So in every trial, in every temptation, in every difficult time, there is always an escape route. And thank God that whenever there is a temptation, there is a trial, there is some difficulty, there is an affliction, he always shows us the way out. And so Malachi himself begins to talk about the way out. And we saw in the verse number two, he says, But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. So the first thing he says there is that to escape that great and the dreadful time where evil will not be able to touch you, he says that you must fear the Lord. Proverbs 19.23 says, um, The fear of the Lord is tender to life. He that hath it shall abide satisfied. He says that he shall not be visited with evil. So the fear of the Lord alone, it has the ability to shield you from the great and the dreadful times um, of the Lord or the great and the dreadful day of the Lord, which we have entered into. So fear the Lord and all these things will not be able to touch you. You will only hear about them, but it will never be your portion. You will see a thousand falling at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it is never coming nigh unto you. Only with your eyes will you begin to see uh, and behold the reward of the wicked. Then number two, we began to look at number two last week. Very important point. And I said to you that in Malachi chapter four, the verse number one, it says, for behold. And I told you that that word for connects the previous verse to this current verse. So when it says that for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, he was talking in connection to the previous verse. And what is in the previous verse? It says, Malachi chapter 3 verse 18. It says, Then shall ye return and descend between the righteous and the wicked, between he that serveth God and he that serveth him not. Meaning that the man who serves God shall also escape the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. And we began to look at what it means to serve the Lord and um, how serving the Lord delivers us from um, the great and the dreadful day um, of the Lord. And so we use the story of the prodigal son and his elder brother 
to explain what it means to serve the Lord. Even though it's a, it's a real story that took place, Jesus himself saw it. He was God, remember, who came to walk the earth. And so he knew the story. He saw it, but he spoke it as a parable. Now, a parable is a story with a hidden meaning. One of the meanings of this story is the fact that there are two groups of people in the house of God. Those who serve God and those who do not serve him. So the father represents God. The prodigal son represents those who don't serve God or are not serious with God from the beginning and then eventually come to get serious. And then the elder son represents those who serve the Lord. I mean, all the days of their lives. The day, I mean, from the day they get to become born again and begin to serve God. So let's go again to um, Luke chapter 15. We'll read from verse 11 to 32. Today, I will continue from there. So today, my subtitle is Serving the Lord, part two. Serving the Lord, part two. Now, serving the Lord also has a way of making you escape so many evils in the world. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 25 and 26, it says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread, and bless thy water. So as you serve God, he will give you bread. He will give you water. And he says, I will take sickness out of the midst of thee. Then he says, there shall nothing cast her young. So as you are serving God, expect that miscarriage will never be your portion. Women, may you be delivered from all the problems of other women. Then he says, that neither shall any be barren in your land. Meaning that there shall be none who it shall be said that the reproductive organs cannot produce babies. It means that everybody looking for a child, whether it takes 2 years or 20 years or 10 years or 15 years or 11 years or 10 years, whatever it is, you are going to give birth by all means. Because when you serve God, he delivers you from the evils that are in the world. Except the word of God. It's not true. Then he says, and the number of your days ye shall fulfill. When he says the number of your days ye shall fulfill, it means that you will live and die at the time that God has destined for you to die. You will not die before your time. So it tells you that serving God is very important. Serving God is very important. In Exodus chapter 8, the Lord spoke unto Moses and said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, say unto him, Let my people go that they may serve me. All that God wanted the children of Israel to do uh, in demanding their departure from the land of Egypt was only that they'll be able to serve him. So people serving God is at the core of all that God wants um, a man to be able to do. Serving God is his main will for all of, all of us. So serving God is one of the things that must be at the core of your heart also because everything is attached to it. And so we must seek to understand it. And that's how come it's taken me two weeks um, to talk about it so that it would get into our system and become a part of us. These things are very important and we need to be able to pay attention to them. So let's go to Luke chapter 15, reading from the verse number 11 to the verse number 32, I think it is. It says, and a certain man, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. So a certain man had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, I've been waiting for you to die, to inherit your house, to inherit your land, but you have refused to die. Give me my property now. And he divided unto them his living. 
and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He liquefied all the properties. He turned them into cash. He gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. Sometimes the devil is very bad. When he knows that your money has finished, that's when he will make your son go and play somebody's football and the car will walk over the ball and they'll bring you the bill to pay when your money is finished. So when he has spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. 15. And he went and joined himself unto a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Be careful who you have as a friend. Don't have a friend who will send you into the pigsty. Don't have a friend who will send you to um, some part that you don't want to go to. Have a friend that when you fall into trouble, he will send you to America. So have a friend that when you get into trouble, he will get angry, charter a plane for you, and send you to Germany. Or send you to maybe um, United Kingdom, or send you to Italy or something. But he had a friend, and this friend, he took him into um, the, the pigsty to feed swine. 16, and he would fain have filled his belly with the house that the swine did eat for no man, and no man gave unto him. When he had his money, he was not blessing anybody. So when his money got finished, nobody was giving unto him. Don't be stingy. Some people are stingy, stingy. The POP on their hand is stronger than anything. <laughs> Learn to give. Some people, before they will give, they are always calculating. Before their one CD will leave their pocket and come to you, then you must have prayed and fasted a lot. And so he, no man gave unto him. 17, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hard servants. 20. And he arose and came unto his father. But while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. The father said, come on, stand somewhere. But he said unto the servant, servant, we need to bring forth the best robe and put it upon him. Put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost but he is found. And they began to be merry. This year, may there be parties in your house. When your daughter is one year, may you organize a birthday party. When your father is 62, may you organize a birthday party. When you are even, 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 sometimes you should even get angry and celebrate the day you were born. If you're born on a Tuesday, you organize a, a, a party on a Tuesday. What are you celebrating? You are celebrating the day you were born. <laughs> Receive the grace of God in the name of Jesus. Then he says in 25, 
Now his elder brother was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed for him the fatted calf. This servant also wanted the fatted calf, has been eyeing the fatted calf for a long time. He didn't get it. So he was jealous and was telling the elder brother, Your father has killed for him the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. This year you'll be safe and sound throughout the whole year. You'll be safe and sound from coronavirus, from any disease that troubles other people. In the mighty name of Jesus. 28. And he was angry and would not go, go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. 29. And he answering said unto the father, Lo, this many years do I serve thee. So you see the word serve. It says, this, Lo, this many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. It says, since I've been with you, I've never broken your, your, your commandments before. I've said this to my dad once, that I've always obeyed what he's asked me to do. All the time, including everything that you can think about. All the time. It says, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. As this thy son was come, thou hast which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. I think the fatted calf, I must do a series about it one day because it's very important to the guys. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And the father said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it was meant that we should be merry or we should make merry. Is that what it says? It was meant that we should make merry or we should be merry and be glad. For this, for thy brother, it says he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So we use this story to define what it means to serve God. We said that to serve God means that you become a willing servant of God. We said that to serve God... Um, also means to work in the fields um, uh, 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 of the Lord. And then we also said that to serve God, we said four things. Uh, Number one, we says that to serve God is to have God as your master. Number two, to serve God, we said it means that you belong to his kingdom or you belong to a house or you belong to a church. Number three, we said to serve God means to work in his fields, to labor in his fields, to be working for him. And then number four, we said to uh, serve God is to be under authority. So when wives submit themselves to their husbands, they are serving God. Anything your husband says, you say, yes, sir. Everything he says, say yes, so. Everything he says, yes, so. He says, come and lie down. You are lying down. He says, let's go to the top of the wardrobe. You go there. Let's enter the wardrobe. You enter. You are serving God. But when he says, let's go to the top of the wardrobe and you start complaining, you are not serving God. God is not in your heart. You don't fear God. When you're serious, you don't fear God at all. <laughs> and he says that husbands should also love their wives and not be bitter with them. Then we looked at children obeying their parents 
in all things. So children must also obey their parents in all things. Whatever their parents ask them to do, they must do. Then it says that fathers must not provoke their children unto anger. Because sometimes fathers can provoke their children unto anger. Sometimes mothers can provoke their children unto anger. They say things. They tell them things that break their spirits. He says, lest they be discouraged. So we saw all this. So he says that parents must not worry their children. Some parents worry their children. They worry them. They insult them. They curse them. I mean, they do several things to them. They make them angry. And their children also open their mouth and speak against them. You see, when you do that, you have caused your child to curse himself. When you allow your child to insult you, you allow your child to also talk back to you in a derogatory way, what you are doing is that you are cursing your own child, in, in, in other words. So it says that fathers should not provoke their children unto anger. Then we looked at the fact that servants must be obedient to their bosses. Then we also looked at how serving God helps you to escape the great and the dreadful times. Today, my message is divided into three parts. The first part, we are going to look at how the devil tries to stop people from serving God. How the devil tries to stop um, the sons of God, the children of God from serving him. And all today's message is going to be focused only on the younger son. Last week was on the elder son. Today's will be focused only on the younger son, who we call the prodigal son. Then I will come to talk about... Um, how do you call it? I come to talk about um, God's estimate um, of those who serve him. I think that's the third part. But I think the second part is that, what's the second part? When I get there, the Holy Spirit uh, will bring it back to me and uh, I will talk about it. In fact, the second part, I'll be talking about how you can begin to serve God. How you can begin to serve God. So uh, my message today is divided into three. Number one, how the devil stops people um, from serving God. So if you are writing notes, you can just put it like that so that when I start giving the point, it will become easy. So A, I'll be talking about how the devil stops people um, from serving God. And then B, I'll be talking about how you can serve God. And then C, I'll be talking about God's estimate, the estimate, the value that God has for those who serve him. The estimate that God has for those who serve him. Now, let's come to the first part. How the devil stops people from serving God. How the devil stops people from serving God. Now, when you read the story, in the verse number 17, um, Luke 15, the verse, number 17, the verse number 17, it says, And when he came to himself, the question is, where did he go? Where did he go? What happened to him? It says, when he came to himself, he said, how many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? That word, when he came to himself, himself actually in another translation means, when he came to his right senses, when he came to his right senses, there are times that evil spirits can come and take over the mind of somebody. There are times that evil spirit can come and take over the, pers- the, the personality of somebody. And when they take over the personality of somebody, what they do is that they change the, 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 the person. The person doesn't believe the truth. The person can be seeing green, but say that it is red and argue his case out that it is red. You will do everything to explain to the person that is green, but the person will still be telling you, it looks green, but it is actually red. It's an evil spirit. 
And why do I say it's an evil spirit? It's only the devil that blindfolds people from seeing the truth. In Second um, Corinthians chapter four, verse four. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four, it says, "In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine forth." Unto them. So the devil blinds the minds of people who don't have faith. He blinds the minds of people who don't believe fully. So the devil is the one who is into the business of blinding people. So this younger son, who we call the prodigal son, something happened to him that caused him to leave the house. And it was the devil himself that came to deceive him, that came to lie to him, that came to tell him. Um, to move away uh, um, from his house. You know, recently I was visited by several diseases at the same time. I was visited by several diseases at the same time. One of the diseases that came um, as I was there lying in the bed and God was using it to show me several things, you know, was an evil spirit. He showed me how evil spirit possesses the minds of people. Sometimes evil spirits can enter into the minds of people and tell them to cut themselves off from some people and tell them that your mother is a bad person, your, your father is a wicked person, your wife is, is, is a difficult person, very bad person, cut yourself off. Your pastor is a drunkard, he drinks secretly, you don't know. And <laughs> you see, it, 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 you, see it, it, you, you won't understand it. You won't understand it. Those who suffer from it, they believe it. Because it's like an audible voice they are actually hearing. So it's like you are seeing God face to face. And he is talking to you and telling you that Kojo is a snake. When, when she is walking or when he is walking, there is a tail behind him. You can look and see the tail. And by the time you realize, you are entering into the spiritual realm and you are seeing that very thing. Look, what happened to me on the 12th of, of, of June? Uh, is it 12th of June or 12th of May? Was a very difficult, was a very tight thing. I was visited by several things, and my understanding of the healing anointing has grown even deeper because now I understand people and I feel what they feel and know what they go through. So, this thing that happened to this guy, it was an evil spirit. Evil spirits can speak to people to leave their homes, to leave their father, to curse their mother in law to curse their father-in-law, to cut themselves off and leave everybody. Evil spirits can tell people, don't pay the school fees of your children. Don't take care of them. Forget about them. It's rather better to use your money to build a house, to buy a car, um, to travel outside than to use the money to take care of your home. So sometimes you can see a man, he has money, but he's not looking after the children. He has money, but he's not giving money in the house. People, what you are seeing is, you are seeing an evil spirit in operation. And you don't use your mouth against these people. What they need is prayer. He came to himself. Why did he come to himself? The evil spirit that came to blind him, that evil spirit, he left him. If there is a demon in your house, I command that demon to leave your house in the name of Jesus. Now, the devil knows very well that your blessing is attached to serving God. And because he doesn't want you to be blessed in, in, in a way that uh, will become a threat to his kingdom, he tries to put several stumbling blocks upon your path so that you cannot be able to serve him. Number one, 
How does it stop people from serving God? Number one, the first thing it does in stopping people from serving God is that he changes their priority from service to selfish ambitions. He changes their priority from service to seeking their selfish or following their selfish ambitions. He changes their priority from serving God to um, seeking their selfish ambitions. So in Luke chapter 15, the verse number 12, it says, And the younger son said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. 29. The elder son said, Lo, this many years do I serve thee. So whilst the younger son, the, the younger son was thinking about what he could get from the father, the elder son was thinking about how he could expand the kingdom of the father. So one made it his priority to serve, the other made it his priority to take from the father. And we are living in that time. We are living in that time where Christians cannot remain in church and just serve God and allow God to give them the blessing he wants to give them. He shifts their focus from serving God to their problems, to their challenges, to the things they need. So instead of serving God, instead of working for him, thinking about kingdom expansion, thinking about what will make the church grow, thinking about how the church can become stronger, helping the house of God, making the church do well, and, and supporting the kingdom or uh, um, doing whatever they can do to make sure that the kingdom of God expands, he shifts their focus to themselves. That I don't have a car, I don't have a job. I'm looking for a church that I can go to. They'll prophesy to me one time and I have a job. One time I have a wife. One time I have a husband. One time I have my child. One time I travel outside. One time they give me blue anointing oil. And with that blue anointing oil, my bloated stomach will become, it will just shrink. It will, become, it will, be, it will deflate. Then the stomach will become flat at once. So people are moving around. And instead of serving God, they are concentrating on what they can get from God. But you see, Matthew 6, 32 and 33, it says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, yet your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I had a fantastic story of a man who always had something moving in his stomach. He was a professor in Nigeria and he was lecturing and he heard his pastor preaching and quoting that if you serve God, I mean, whatever your problem is, he will take care of you. So the man decided to serve God. I don't know if I remember the story carefully, but he began to serve. And when he went, he said he wanted to join the protocol. And when he joined the protocol, um, in uh, Winners Chapel, uh, Bishop Edipo's church, they said that one of the things they do to show your humility is that they'll push you down to the toilet to go and clean the toilet. So here was this professor, he went down to the toilet, he was cleaning the toilet. As he was doing it, one day he felt like going to the toilet, and when he went to the toilet himself, as he was cleaning it, he went himself. And as he sat down and pooped, a live fish came out of him. Live fish, it came out of him, and he was completely healed of whatever problem he actually had. Now, why am I telling you this? Your, your healing sometimes can even be tied to your service in the house of God. 
your service in the house of God. What are you doing for God? Why not think about doing more for God? Somebody's also saying that I have done all I can for God, but I'm not seeing anything. What it means is that you can serve God even in a deeper way. Maybe you are only in the intercessory department. You can add evangelism to it. Maybe you're only singing in the choir. Maybe you can add intercession also to it. Maybe you are only sweeping the chapel. You can do something more. Keep serving God more. And as you serve him, he will make your needs his priority. So when the devil entered into this younger son, the first thing he did was to change his priority. He turned his mind from serving his father into taking from his father. People, don't allow the devil to change your mind, to cause you to turn, your, to turn away um, from serving God. May you be a server of God all the days of your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. I didn't hear your amen. May you be a server of God all the days of your life. Number two, he will begin to draw you away from the house of God. The second thing the devil tries to do whenever he wants to stop people from serving God is that he begins to draw them away from the house of God. With what? With the same blessing that they had been craving for. So somebody who is praying that the business will grow. Now that the business has grown, all of a sudden... As the business has grown, the person is using the business um, as an excuse. Says, I'm too busy, too busy in the office. Somebody was praying for promotion, has not been promoted. Things that because of the promotion, now he needs to do more um, work um, over time to please his boss. And then at the end of the day, the person stops coming for evening services and even sometimes on Sundays cannot be able to come. Sometimes people use their wives also as an excuse because sometimes your wife can keep talking and talking and talking and talking and as she keeps talking about you serving God and doing more for God, eventually your fire for doing more for God, it will die. Many pastors have been put out of the ministry because of their wives. Many missionaries who were sent to Senegal, sent to places to go and stand, to start churches, have come back to Ghana and they are working at uh, Nestle producing ideal milk because their wives were speaking against the mission field. And so people can, you can have your wife, you see, you can have your wife. You know, one day, one of my pastors, his wife said to him, as a man was preaching on television and the both of them were watching, then she said to the husband, this is preaching. This one is preaching. So the husband says, so what about what I'll be doing? He said, ah, uh, uh, this one is preaching. <laughs> so because of that, the husband was discouraged. So there are some people who, because of their wives, they have been cut away. The very blessing that God gave to them is now drawing them away from God. And as for women who have been drawn away from serving God because of their children, they are in the thousands and millions. Thousands and millions. Everything my child. Everything my son. Everything my child. Everything my son. Everything my child. Everything my son. And because of that, they cannot have time for God. They can't have time for God. And they cannot serve him. And, and so there are many things that can draw you. So the, the younger son was drawn away. The money he had in his bank account started speaking to him. Move from the house. Move from the house. Move from the house. Move from the house. And then gradually he started moving. Don't let anything draw you away from God. Not even your wife. Not even your husband. Not even your children. Don't let anything draw you away from serving God. People is the main reason why you are here. Don't make your children your priority, your wife your priority, your husband your God. 
The main reason why you are here is to serve God. Number three, the third thing that the devil makes, you, makes people do when he's drawing them away from serving God is that he makes them waste their skill in his kingdom. He makes them waste their skill in his kingdom. So the younger son, when he took his journey in verse 13, not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He wasted his substance. So the devil knows that you are a typist. You can type very, very, very well and very, 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 very fast. You see, and instead of using that skill, you type in the office till five and close and calm. He will make your boss entice you and say, do over time. One hour is 50 Ghana cities. And when you think about your children, the school fees you have to pay and everything, by the time you realize every day you are doing three hours um, over time. So you close at 5 and you do 3 hours more. So you end up closing at 8 p.m. I mean Monday to Saturday. And you are so tired that Sunday sometimes you cannot even go to church. And it's understandable because your body also needs rest. But what is happening is that suddenly your skill is being used in the world. Yet on the judgment day, God is not going to give you any reward for using your skills of typing to help Nestle to grow, ideal to, to, to produce more ideal milk, to produce more milo. There will be no reward for it. The only reward will be for the things you did within the body of Christ. So anything you do outside the body of Christ, my people, is a waste. If you're an accountant, you can use your accounting to build and help the kingdom of God. If you're a doctor, you can use your medical profession to help the kingdom of God. Gradually, we are having nurses in the church. And my hope is that one day when we are going for a crusade, we don't need any nurse or doctor from anywhere. We'll have our own doctors. We'll have our own nurses. We'll go with them. We'll take care of the people. Even the medical outreach, we can do it for all the four days or five days that we are doing the crusade, taking care of people. My dream is that one day when we go for the crusades, we can even be doing plastic surgeries, removing things on the bodies of people and, and working on people. We should have some of our church members becoming doctors who become specialists in Cuba and America and different places who can do different types of surgeries to help people in the name of Jesus. You will say amen. Stop wasting your skill on the world. Bring your skill into the kingdom of God. Many of you are good administrators, but you are wasting it probably on MTN. You are wasting it at a crown mall in some shop somewhere when you could actually be using it in the house of God. Number four, the devil will begin to fill you with foolish and hateful lust. Foolish and hateful lust. Whenever the devil is drawing people away from serving God, he begins to give them wild appetites. The Bible says that not many days, Luke 15, 13, all this is from there. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with what? Riotous living. Riotous living is a wild lifestyle. And it's a foolish and a hateful lust. In verse 30 of Luke 15, verse 30 of Luke 15, Luke 15, verse 30, write it, Luke 15, 30. The elder son said to the father, as soon as this thy son was come, who had devoured thy living, with harlots. You know, sometimes in life, the devil will come and say to you, that life is boring. Life is boring. Why don't you try and enjoy life a bit? 
and do something. By the time you realize, if you start following that voice, you are gone. So this guy, as the money was there, he started thinking, how about changing girls? Having different ones, short ones, tall ones, slim ones, fat ones, fair ones, dark ones, white ones, Caucasians, Hispanics, different types. Why don't you taste them and see? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, it says, For they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hateful lusts, which drown men in perdition or in, distract, or in perdition and destruction or destruction and perdition. So watch your lusts carefully. Watch your lusts carefully. Sometimes the devil will fill you with lusts. And sometimes as he's doing this, he's trying to kill your passion for serving God. So there are singers whose passion for singing has died because they are into boys, because they are into girls, because they are into, I mean, different kinds of things. By the time you see, you are watching things secretly. You are doing things to your body secretly. And as you are doing these things, it's contaminating your passion for God. So this guy, he was filled with lust for other things. Why don't you go and taste girls? Why don't you go and, go and taste different men and see how it is like? These things come alike to all of us. But Jesus said, you must die daily. If somebody told you that serving God was easy, the person has deceived you. It's difficult. It's difficult. Because to, to deny yourself, to take up your cross for one day is easy. But to do it every day, it's a lot of work. But Jesus can empower you to do it. You will never be drawn away by foolish lust in the mighty name of Jesus. By the time you see people have lust, different kinds of lust. Let me use a Gucci bag. Let me use a Gucci chain. Let me use Dorothy Perkins bag. Let me wear a uh, uh, um, Jojo Armani shoe. Let me wear uh, um, clocks. Let me do this. Let me wear that. By the time you realize many lusts have choked your heart and you have been drawn away from God. Number five, the fifth thing the devil does whenever he wants to stop people from serving God is that he makes them spend money in the world. He makes them spend money in the world instead of investing into the kingdom of God. He makes them spend money in the world instead of investing in the kingdom of God. Is it not amazing how you can take 1,000 Ghana cities to Accra Mall and blow it and feel that it's not even enough. But if you have to give the same thousand Ghana cities in church, it's as if we have to praise you, we have to sing for you, we have to clap for you, we have to play a drum for you, and add the same bang, 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 before you get up to give just that one thousand Ghana cities. But if you are going to use it at a cram hall, it's easy. If you have gone for a funeral and you are going to give it to support to buy a coffin, it's easy. If you have gone to your old boys association meeting and you are giving 2000 it's easy. If you are building a house for yourself and you are spending 150000 on it, on it, it's easy. But when it comes to the house of God, it enters your bones. It's a demon. It's a demon that doesn't want you to serve God. It's demonic. Very demonic. People put money you know, one day I was speaking to a man, I was prophesying to him, and I said to him, your family 
Nobody has built a house before. And I see God using you to be the first person to build. And the man said to me, I have investments. I said to him, I think you should rather start building now. You pay your tithe on the investment and start building now. He didn't listen to me. He kept investing and investing and investing and investing and investing until he has become invested. Now all the banks, <laughs> now all the banks that he invested into has been frozen. Their assets have been frozen. His money is gone. So there is no, there, nothing in this world is safe. Even if you neglect the house of God and you are building your own, you may be amazed that that house you are built, one day you will sell it and chop the money. The only safest place to invest is in the house of God. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust that corrupt and thieves break through and steal. This is Luke 6, 19 and 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven when neither moth nor rust that corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal. So people, you can say that, oh, we can be saying that we need money to buy towns for the church. We are not even doing fundraising. We are just talking about it. And you have money. And you instead of probably giving money to buy the towns, giving some 10,000, giving some 5,000, giving some 15,000, you'll be thinking about rather doing something for yourself. It's easy to think about yourself. It's easy to think about the world. Very easy for you to think about the world. Very, very easy for you to think about the world and think about yourself. So the devil moved this guy. When he had spent all, that's verse 14, Luke 15, 14. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. The devil wants you to spend all your money in his kingdom, in the world, not in the house of God. Not in the house of God. So people be careful. People are speaking about tithes. Hey, we shouldn't pay tithe. When you are paying your tithe, and your tithe that you have been paying, what have they used it for? What have they done with it? I mean, and all that. You come and run a church for some time and see. You come and manage a church for one month and see. Come and look, come and take care of the branches and see. Um, what goes into it and have a feel of what it is. And you will understand. You see, all these things are demonic voices that are speaking. Number six. Number six. The sixth thing that the devil does is that he makes you draw back. He makes you go behind. He makes you go behind. Spiritually and in every area. He says when he has spent all... Uh, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. That word in want, he began to be in want, means that he went back. He moved back. So when the devil wants to stop you from serving God, what he will do is that he will start making withdraw or move from the choir. Stop singing in the choir. Stop praying in the intercessory department. Don't be an usher again. Don't be a shepherd again. Don't be a pastor again. You sit at the back. You just be on the, on the back and be watching and be supporting with a hand clap. Have we told you that we are running races in the house of God? We need people to be clapping for us and cheering us up. Is it a football match you are watching? That you say, well, I'm sitting on the fence to be clapping for you and empowering you. No. 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 What is happening is that the devil is taking you away from God. He's taking you away from God. 
And finally, he will surround you with bad company. He will surround you with bad company. In verse 15, Luke 15, 15. And he went and joined himself unto a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, this citizen he went to join was not in the, in the house of the father, but he was in the world out there, was in the kingdom out there. So people understand, when the devil is drawing you away from God, he will surround you with people who don't serve God, people who don't go to church, people who don't believe in God, people who worship, they don't worship idols, they don't worship God, they are just in between. They speak by heart. They insult pastors. They speak against tithes. They speak against offerings. They speak against churches. These are the people who will become your friends. By the time you realize, you are being moved far away from serving God. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody this morning. So, John, James chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Ye adulteress and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I don't have any friend who is in the world. I mean, I have former classmates who are in the world. They are struggling to come out. I'm speaking to them to try and become born again. But beyond that, there is nothing we can do. We can't go to anywhere. Why are we going to a club? To go and sit down and do what? Discuss what? There is nothing to discuss. There's nothing to discuss. You shouldn't have friends with people who are in the world, they will end up moving you deeper into the world. I pray that God will help you today in the name of Jesus. Now, part two of my message. How do you begin to serve God? How do you begin to serve God? Number one, have a right perspective about those who serve God. Number one, have a right perspective about those who serve God. Have a right perspective about those who serve God. For this younger son to begin to move to the house, what happened? In verse 17, Luke 15, but when, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? He said, they may not have cars, but they have food to eat. They have joy. There is peace. In verse 25, now when the elder son, the elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, what did he hear? He heard music and dancing in his house. Now, so the younger son, before he would begin to move towards the house, the first thing he did was to have a right perspective about serving God, about serving in the house of God. He realized that those who served God are blessed. People, it's a great deception to think that those who serve God are disadvantaged in any way. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm thankful to God that there is no quarrel in my house. Never has there been. Sometimes when people are misbehaving in my house, the only question I ask them is, have you seen me screaming like that in the house before? Have you seen me using that word like that in the house before? Have you seen me quarrel like that with my wife before? Before you are doing that. And then it ends the controversy. And we live in peace. We live in joy. And so, in serving God, people may think that once you are serving God, it means that you must have an aeroplane in your house. That is what shows that you are serving God. But people, listen, the blessings of God many times, the most important blessings of God, they are intangible. They are intangible. You can be in an air-conditioned bedroom, but quarreling all the time. 
you are in an air-conditioned bedroom, there is air-conditioned, cool air is blowing. But the two of you cannot lie on the bed. One person is on the bed, the other one is lying on a mattress on the floor. When you sleep small, you lift up your head to check whether the other is asleep or not. Then your heads will meet like two lizards. <laughs> like two lizards who are, who are lifting up their heads to check. So when I hear people saying that serving God, being a pastor is a difficult thing, is whatever, I wonder what they are talking about. I wonder what they are talking about. Because as I've been serving God, there is peace. I have joy all the time. You know, recently I was saying that there has been nothing that has made me unhappy in my life so far. I'm always happy. Your opinion doesn't matter. That's the way. That's, that's what is inside my heart. Your opinion doesn't matter. I mean, and, 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 and any time I preach, I always laugh inside. So if I'm not laughing in my preaching, then you can be sure that maybe the guy, you know, he's not happy. But I've laughed several times today already, you know, in my preaching. So there is joy inside. There is joy inside. You know, listen, when you serve God, you must have a right perspective that serving God makes you a blessed person. Sometimes people are jealous and, and, and I wonder what they are jealous about. What are, what are they worried about? You know, two days ago I was telling my dad that since I became, since he handed over the church to me 11 years ago, I have not paid myself continuously for one year before. Never, not even once. Like I paid myself January to December for one year. I told him I have never done, it's never happened before. It hasn't happened before. Rather, it's full of, you know, I have to sacrifice it, you know, for the church to make sure that the church is going on and, and things are moving. I mean, he was sad, as I was telling him, but um, he knew it was the truth because he also knows what I'm talking about. And, and I, but you see, my life is blessed. Yet, in the midst of all that, I'm always giving money here and there, blessing people, taking care of people, sorting people out here and there. If you don't have that right perspective, I don't know what sort of pastor's wives are arising nowadays who keep telling their husbands that serving God is full of suffering. Who told you that serving God is full of suffering? It's rather full of blessing. What kind of women are arising nowadays when they, when they, they are not supporting their husbands to serve God, to do more for God? They rather discourage them. Are you not a witch? Are you not a witch? Are you not a witch? It's not part of my sermons. I don't know where it came from, but I think it's a question God is asking you. Are you not a witch? Someone who draws people from God, is that person not a witch? Are you not a wicked person? You are drawing somebody from serving God and doing more for God. The person should rather be serving you, should be with you, singing for you, <laughs> looking to my eyes. You know, people... I don't know what kind of generation this is. Mothers who don't want their children to serve God. Your children can go for an educational excursion for two months, two weeks. But for your children to go for a camp for only three days. Pastor, what are you going to teach them at the camp there? What are you going to tell them? Have you gone to sit the lecturer of your child down to ask the lecturer, what are you teaching my child in the school before? I don't know what kind of generation that has come of late. It's like we feel that serving God is, we are doing God a favor. Meanwhile, when you serve God, you are rather doing yourself a favor. 
So people cannot release their children to serve God. Go for camp. Say, ah, what kind of camp is it? The money is too much. But if you have to pay for your child to go for an exchange program in America, he says, oh, I will pay. You squeeze money. You borrow money for the child to go. You don't even know what you are going to tell them on the way. But if he's the pastor, say, pastor, what are you going? I want to see the curriculum of what you are going to teach them there. You see, we don't understand serving God. We don't understand it. Number two. So have a right perspective. Then number two. What's number two uh, in the note? <laughs> number, number two. Take a firm decision. Take a firm decision to serve God. He says, I will arise and go to my father. And I'll say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He says, now I don't want to be a son again. I want to be a servant. I want to serve. He took a firm decision to serve. Number three, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I find it amazing that in Nigeria... When you have people who are professors who are sweeping the temple, who are cleaning the chapel, who are scrubbing, but in Ghana, as soon as somebody is an important person, we make the person, we can't even put the title of pastor on him. When even closing prayer, he cannot say. It's amazing, very amazing to me. It's like once somebody has money, once somebody is educated, once somebody has accomplished the bid, in Ghana, in many of the churches in Ghana, it's like the person cannot be an usher. The person cannot, cannot join the church security or protocol and be directing cars. The person must, of necessity, when the pastor is sitting, the person must be sitting by the pastor or sitting behind the pastor. I wonder why. Why can't we humble ourselves? There are pastors who are very humble. I mean, as church members, as soon as they put a title pastor on them, they changed. Some were also humble as pastors. As soon as they put a title reverend on them, they changed. Some, as soon as you put the title apostle on them, they changed. One day, a plumber came to work for me in the house here. He was a pastor. And he was complaining about he, a pastor, having to dig I mean, I, I, I mean, like he had digged and I said the thing, the slope wasn't good and he was angry that I was telling him that the slope wasn't good, I mean, and all that. And he got angry and he left. He was hungry for one week. Then he came back. <laughs> Look, just humble yourself. Look, just, just, humble, just humble yourself. I mean, just, 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 just humble <laughs> Just, just humble yourself. It's a difficult thing. I mean, I found it amazing. The same person, he came back. And now he came to do the slope himself. He came to dig it. And waited for the money. He said he needed the money that day. 50 cities, he needed it that day. Because food must be in the house. You know, so why can't we be humble? Our titles are so important to us. You know, the little we have done. The little we have done, we expect to be lifted so high, so high, so high. Now, to me, even flattery is, is, is like an insult to me. To me now, 
when I finish preaching, somebody say, very powerful message, very adorable message. I, I feel that the person is, is, is not telling me the truth or something. You know, I, I, but some of us love it so much. Why? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And um, what's that other one? The final one is take action. So what? Take action immediately. People, the guy said, I don't want to be a son again. I want to be a hide servant. The sufferings he had gone to see in the world, it humbled him. He wanted to now be a servant. Let us not lord it over our people. Let us not, I mean, desire to be bosses over our people. Humility is key. Let us humble ourselves. Let's humble ourselves. And when you, when you humble yourself, I mean, as a nation, as a teacher, you know, one day, a guy left the church. When he left the church, I asked him why he left. He said he was a shepherd. He was outside. And the chief shepherds came and they were telling him he should come inside. And they didn't add please to the come inside. And he said to me, I would have slapped the pastor and the chief shepherd. That's what he said to me. He said, if not because they were at the church, he would have slapped the pastor and the chief shepherd. And I said, what kind of human beings are these? What kind of people are these who are so much full of ego? We come to church. We cannot humble ourselves. Nobody can talk to you by heart. Nobody can do whatever. You will meet it all. You will meet it. Sometimes when you are doing that, you are like, oh, nobody can talk. You will go and meet somebody who will humble you. He will talk to you by heart. Treat you like a doormat. You will be amazed that you are the one who has been made passer. And you see that you can't go anywhere because you need the daily bread. You need it. You need it. So people come to church. It's like a concert party in the house here. Why are you all laughing? You know, you know, if you don't take it in church, you'll go and meet it in the well there. You will meet it in the office. You will meet it in school. You will meet it somewhere. Somebody can disgrace you. You'll be amazed that you are the one who has been disgraced like that. People, humble yourself and then take action on what you want to do. Find the need or see the need in the house of God. I think I messed up the notes now, but don't worry. I'll put it in the devotion now. See a need in the house of God. Is there a need for a choir, the choir? Is there a need for ushering? Is there a need for a drama? Do what you can do. Put aside how big you are. The money you have. Your title you have. You are a doctor, and so what? You are a professor, and so what? You are, um, what else? Uh, a nurse, and so what? You are an architect, and so what? You are an engineer. And so what? You are a pilot. And so what should we do? We should all become air hostesses for you. It doesn't mean anything. Do what you can do to serve God. And finally, as I close, God's estimate for those who serve God is that number one, they are special to him. They are special to him. When the, father, when the son came, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be a son. He said, I'll still keep you as a son. So you are special to God. Number two, God spares you. When the younger son came, the father could have sacked him and said, go back to the famine. But the father spared him. May you be spared in an evil time. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. And number three, God takes possession of you. Those who serve God, God calls them my own son, my own daughter, my own son, my own daughter. The man said in Luke 15, 24, he said, for this my son, not for this son who ran away, not for this younger son who ran away, he said, for this my son, I see God seen in heaven, gift is my daughter, mentioning her name, or mentioning Kelly's name, he said, Kelly is my son. I pray that God will mention your name like that. Here ends my teaching on serving the Lord. To escape, escape the times ahead. I declare that a thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall never come nigh you. In Jesus' mighty name. Be blessed today. Be empowered. I believe that you have been blessed by the word. And um, people, let's all be encouraged to serve God. Be the pastor. Let me humble myself and move around. Flow with the little ones. Flow with the big ones. Flow with the educated. Flow with the uneducated. Flow with those who have. Flow with those who don't have. Flow with those in Accra. Flow with those in the village. Of late, I've been thinking about our churches in the villages. Thinking about going to do some two days or three days, three days with them. To empower them. To feel that. To make them feel that I love them. Or God loves them. I don't know which one is much more important to them. You know. But you see, humility is important. Let us serve God. Let us serve God in Jesus' mighty name. Lift up your hands. Receive the grace to be a servant of God. May you be in the service of the Lord. One day when we get to heaven, may you be receiving laurels. That would, be, that, that, that would, that, that would amaze many people in the kingdom. Receive that grace from God in the name of Jesus. Maybe on earth people don't respect you, but may you be respected in the kingdom of God because of your service in the house of God. For those of you who gossip has been worrying, for those of you who people have been slandering and speaking against and behaving in a certain way towards you and you feel like leaving the church, you feel like moving from the church you feel like not being a pastor again you feel like not being a pastor's wife again you feel like not being a shepherd again you feel like not serving God again people, I pray that God will heal your heart today, God will deliver you from all manner of evil receive the grace of God today in the mighty name of Jesus be blessed, be, be empowered in Jesus mighty name I heal every sickness today I declare you are strong, you are healthy in Jesus, let me pray. Everybody said, Amen. If you have heard the word of God, you are not born again. I want you to say this prayer after me. Say after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to die for me. I confess I am a sinner. Forgive me all my sins. Lord Jesus, I accept you today as my Lord and personal Savior. Come into my heart. Be my master. Be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen.